Welcome to Indrani's Light Foundation, Caring for the Caregivers podcast, dedicated to supporting frontline caregivers in women's shelters by helping reduce compassion fatigue and burnout. Episode 1, Six Tools for Building and Maintaining Positive Relationships. In this episode, Indrani, Amy, and Jeremy will each share the top two tools they use every day to help deal with overwhelm, survive difficult conversations, and build positive relationships. You can submit your own questions or challenging situations for the show at indranislight.org forward slash support. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. This is Jeremy Miller, and I am here today with Amy and Indrani. And for this first episode of the Caring for the Caregivers podcast, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. In most episodes, we're going to be sharing a scenario from one of our caregivers about something that's going on at work or in their family life or personal life, and using the Live a Brighter Life curriculum tools to talk about that scenario and possible ways to deal with it. However, all three of us have some favorite tools that we like to use in all situations of our work, business, and personal and family lives. And so today, we're each going to take a few minutes and explain some of our go-to, always available, always helpful tools that you can use to make sure that you're building positive relationships in your life, you're taking care of yourself, you're rediscovering the passion that you have for both your work and your life and can help you in those tough situations. So hello, Indrani and Amy. Hello, Jeremy. I'm so happy to be here. Amy, I'm so glad we could all get together to do this for our wonderful, wonderful caregivers. This is very exciting for the Caregiver Project. I am just beyond words excited. So thank you, Jeremy. All right. So Indrani, do you want to kick us off and share your first tool? Yes. Um, my first tool is a boundary tool. And for everyone listening, I used to really struggle with how to define a boundary. And I had many different definitions for a, a physical boundary, a, an emotional boundary, a financial boundary, until I heard Brene in one of her lessons um, a few years ago, and this is how Brene defines a boundary. Anything that is okay and not okay. And the simplicity of that definition just had me sit back and smile. I know what's okay. I know what's not okay. And it makes it so much simpler for me when I think that something is going wrong and I ask myself, is this a boundary crossing? Is this thing that I'm doing okay? Or is this thing that someone else is trying to do okay? And if the answer is yes, all right, so it's not a boundary and now I can investigate further. But if the answer is no, then I have this golden piece of information that informs only me, only me. It tells me nothing about the other person, but it gives me 100% yay or nay information about me. 
So caregivers, the next time something is happening at work or at home, in traffic, ask yourself, is this okay or is this not okay? And that is the first piece of information that you will need before you employ another tool. Amy and Jeremy, does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, Indrani. And I know that we'll probably talk about this in a future episode a bit more. But one of the other things that I like from the boundary work we do is that little addition that I that we put at the end is what's okay and what's not okay, and how you're going to react when it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And for me, knowing that ahead of time, after doing this work for myself has really helped me to define my boundaries better because I know how I'm going to react. I'm not stuck in the moment. And, and, and our work takes you along the journey of reaction. And we, we don't just drop you into it's not okay. We tell you what, you know, you can, you can pick from a series of, of actions and reactions. Actually, I like the word action. I don't like the word reaction because that feels like, you know, the other person is forcing it. But if we decide on an action, that is so positive. Okay, who's up next? I'm so excited. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Amy, do you have your first tool? I do. I just want to say thank you for putting the boundary work at the beginning of our curriculum for the Caregiver Project in Drawing. I love the boundary work, so thank you. Um. My, my favorite, one of my favorite um, tools is, of course, Brené Brown's work as well. And again, Indrani, thank you for bringing Brené Brown's work into our curriculum. Uh, she, uh, her book, Daring Greatly, is now my Bible. And uh, <laughs> one of uh, the tools I use in communication with difficult situations and with things that are very emotional with others when I communicate with others is using empathy. And uh, her work is just extraordinary. Uh, And the way that she just explains what empathy is and how she defines it. But in general, you know, our curriculum, we teach how uh, during this difficult conversation or situation with people and to communicate this is to be able to see the world as others see it. When you sit down with someone, you know, can you see how they see things? Can you sit and listen with empathy and be non-judgmental? Can you understand their feelings? Can you truly understand maybe where they're coming from? Ask yourself, can I really sit in their shoes right now and feel what they're feeling? And then, of course, communicate your understanding of their feelings during that conversation. Can you actually repeat what they just said? Are you really listening with empathy? Listening is such an incredible skill uh, that I try to practice every day and try to listen with, you know, non-judgment. And that is so hard for humans. There's, you know, it seems like that's the first reaction we have or trigger with if somebody says something that triggers us is we, we go at them with judgment. Can we really sit and just listen and absorb what they're feeling at the time? And then if you, you know, are listening, you don't need to fix somebody. You don't need to fix their problem in general. They, they might just need to be 
heard or seen in that moment, and, you, and they just love the fact that you are listening. And wouldn't it just be exciting if everyone during any communication or conversation that you're actually both sitting in vulnerability with each other? What happens, you know, when we're listening with empathy and both becoming vulnerable and compassionate mm. and then and then ending that conversation or that hard conversation with a lot of love and understanding each other. And even if you can't come to an agreement, maybe there's an agreement to disagree, uh, but you still respect each other. Right. Because you're using empathy. That's right. And Amy, I, I might, I might yes, just insert, I, sorry, I might just insert that we don't have to agree. It's never That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's never. Uh, you know, when we start a conversation or we begin a something with somebody, if we start with "I must agree with you" or we cannot go forward, then I that would make me really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Amy. Uh, I'll put in yeah. the show notes, uh, there's a great and funny video that kind of looks at this lighthearted on the internet called It's Not About the Nail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listening and not trying to fix people. And so we'll put those in the show notes and you can check it out on the ILF website after listening to the podcast. Great. All right. Uh, my first tool is uh, all about the different roles that we play in our life. And I think sometimes we don't realize how many different roles that we play. So uh, caregiver, mother or father, uh, brother, sister, daughter, friend, uh, you know, volunteer. There's all these different roles we play in our life. And I think sometimes a lot of my stress and overwhelm I know comes from when I'm switching between these roles and I don't take the time to, to recenter myself and say, I'm done being this person or this role. Now I am this one. And so my tool that I really have been using a lot uh, in the past year that has been helping me is taking time to prepare myself and re-energize myself uh, for switching between these roles. And so when mm -hmm. I'm, I'm finished mm -hmm. the day of, of working for ILF, I need to have some time to to set that aside and switch to picking my son up from school and being a dad. Uh, or even within my work for ILF, I need time to switch from doing a meeting uh, or when you're a caregiver from having a meeting to going back and doing client facing work or to doing creative work. And so the tool that I use for this is uh, I break all of these transitions up with a 10 minute break to just sit quietly uh, I might do a meditation or I might just sit there quietly and clear my head and just be completely still and completely silent. I usually close my eyes, uh, but taking that 10 minutes to switch from one thing that I'm doing in my life to another. Uh, it also works really well when, uh, especially in a caregiver situation, if you've had a really difficult or challenging conversation with somebody, or a confrontation and all of a sudden you have to switch to helping somebody else or switch to talking mm -hmm. to one of your administrators or a colleague, finding a spot in the shelter, in an office or in a lunchroom and taking five to 10 minutes to just sit 
and re-energize and, and realize what you have to do next, uh, I find that takes away a lot of the overwhelm that I feel in my day uh, and, and reduces my stress because I don't have to look back later and say, oh, the reason I had a fight with Ashley, my wife, is because I was still stressed about you know, something happening with my work. And so 10-minute breaks of just sitting quietly or meditating to switch roles or prepare and energize yourself. That's my tool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, I have a question. Uh, by the way, I love that. And how did you decide, or when did you decide that this was what was needed for you? Yeah, I think, um, well, I used to work uh, on a crisis and suicide prevention line uh, years ago in Vancouver. And this was actually something that they had taught us back then that I think I had forgotten. Uh, and so it was a way of recentering ourselves after dealing with a really difficult phone call. And I think, funny enough, the, the time that I realized it uh, this past year was when I was trying to switch from uh, a meeting with our team at ILF and then going and doing some creative writing for ILF. And I couldn't get any of the writing done. And I kind of sat there and tried to figure out why I couldn't get the words out. And so I took a break, sat for 10 minutes, and switched from meeting Jeremy to writing Jeremy. And all of a sudden it worked, you know, all of the, the writing worked much better. And so then I started using it kind of throughout my life and saying, okay, you know, I'm done for the day. Before I pick up Finn, I'm going to take 10 minutes and just sit and what I found was once I picked Finn up, when we got home from school, I wasn't checking my emails. I wasn't looking on our team uh, communications. What I was doing was spending time with Finn. And that was, I think, when I made the, the complete click. I kind of was the creative part. And then it was the, wow, I am so much more present with Finn because I took that 10 minutes to switch that I started using it uh, in other areas of my life as well. Wow, this is this, mm -hmm. I I'm so happy for Finn. I'm 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 not so much happy for you, <laughs> but I'm happy for Finn because you are yeah. giving him this gift of presence mm -hmm. in the way that you are showing up in his life. Mm -hmm. I I can't imagine a better gift, and you can teach him now how to switch from you know, friend of Jeremy's uh, son to son of Jeremy to son of Ashley to grandson of so-and-so because in each of our relationships, we bring different parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Very true. Ooh, nice. Yeah, that's beautiful, Jeremy. And yeah, you're absolutely right, Indrani. The, the caregivers can really give gifts to their family by doing this going from, you know, work to home in particular. And uh, one caregiver that I specifically remember asking her about this, in per, you know, and she says, oh, it takes me 45 minutes to get home every night in traffic. And I go, oh, my goodness, how can you stand, you know, being so far away from work? And she said, this is, this is the time I have to actually have my own time to get present, to get home. Right. You know, she, it's her time to wind down from work and everything that happened. And then when she walks in that door at home 
uh, you know, to, you know, be with her family for dinner or whatever, whatever that evening, you know, is coming, she's ready for it. So she needs that 45 minutes in traffic (laughs) and she takes to either listen to us, her favorite show or, you know, just think or whatever. So good tool, Jeremy. Good example. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We are rocking this. I mean, I'm going to use this in my own life. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Indrani, how about your second tool? My second tool is the only way I can name it is to say, know when you're triggered. And what Mm. does that mean? I didn't always know when I was triggered. Actually, this skill is just about I want to say three years old for me. I knew that I was triggered, but I didn't know when I was triggered. Mm -hmm. And it is really important to know when at the same time or almost at the same time that you are being triggered. If I can understand that when, um, I'm going to use a ridiculous example. Let's say, Somebody in my family loves polka dots, and I hate polka dots. And every time they wear polka dots, I see stars, and I want to scream, why are you wearing those polka dots? You know I hate polka dots. (laughs) Well, how does my hatred of polka dots affect that person and what they want to be doing or wearing? So if I know that, you know, they love polka dots. I hate polka dots. Indrani, what is it about these polka dots that you hate? Well, that, that answer may take, I don't know, years. But in that moment, when I see the polka dots, I can take a breath. Mm-hmm. I can say, hmm, I see the polka dots. I can almost feel my blood pressure rising. I feel like I want to go over there and rip that shirt off their body. I can tell myself everything that I'm feeling. And then magically, you don't have to do anything about it because you're already telling your brain what your brain is thinking. Okay, brain, I hear you saying that. So knowing the triggers that we have in ourselves, for me, it's always a, like a, a catching of my breath. And then breathing into, oh, and Ronnie, you just caught your breath. Hmm. Breathe mm-hmm. it some more. Oh, you, your breath is still kind of stuck in your throat. Um, you don't have to know what's going on, Indrani. All you have to know is that your breath is kind of stuck in your throat. Isn't that interesting? And every time I observe something from when I'm being triggered, I always like to say, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Because that is a non-judgmental sentence. Isn't that interesting? Okay, and then I go on and I keep breathing until the, the thrust, the full impact of the being triggered kind of starts to go away. Because, you know, our, our brain wants to tell us this triggering will last forever. Well, we know that's yeah. not true. It's maybe right. 10 seconds at the most. But within those 10 seconds, we do something stupid, and that stupid thing lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my 
that's my tool of hmm, knowing yeah. when you're triggered and taking a breath and saying, isn't that interesting? And I'll just add quickly here, Indrani, because you and I had a similar tool and, and I switched because we didn't want to give the same tools out. But uh, your friend and colleague in mine, Mark Silver, uh, yes. taught us a long time ago you, to always remember that you have the right to take a breath. Oh, yeah. And Jeremy, you, do you remember when he did that so beautifully on the stage? Yeah, I do. I mean, that, I that took my breath away. It really did. Yeah. And it's one of the things I use. And this is why I like earlier in Drawing, where you said, let's not use the word react. Let's the, t- use the word action. Because yeah. now, you know, especially when I'm, I'm, I'm having conversations with Ashley, who is the closest person to me. So also, as I'm sure we all know, the person closest to you is the one that you will react to most commonly. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, when we're having a disagreement or something's going on that, if I did react, like you just said, it could go in a very bad direction. Remembering that I always have the right to breathe before I respond has made a huge change yeah. uh, in our relationship and how we have conversations. So I love this tool. And at yep. the same time, you know that she has the same right. Yes. And if, if, I'm, if I'm having a, a little something with somebody and I give them the same rights that I give myself, that can only lead to goodness. Yeah. 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 Okay, Amy, do you have your second tool? I do. Uh, this is one that I try to use every day uh, because I used to be one of those people that uh, would think if I actually took that t- out time for myself, it was very selfish. <laughs> like, uh, how could I do something for myself if somebody else is in need in that moment? Uh, and uh, this work, Johnny has just, I'm telling you, it has changed my life. <laughs> and one of the places that we, um, in the Caregiver Project, in our curriculum, we talk about the difference between surviving and thriving. And one of the ways I can thrive now is to actually take a break and take time out for myself and not call it selfish. What we call it, what the new word is, is self-full. The word self and then the word full. And this is where we really need to uh, just change our language about taking time for ourselves. And just knowing that we have to restore ourselves so we can be present with someone else. And if I don't take some time out or take some time off or whatever that means, because I think I'm needed everywhere and doing everything, I'm going to burn out. And then I could become selfish because I don't, you know, I am not very present for other people. So if you... Imagine, when you, when you, um, burnout we start to blame other people for our burnout when oh, in yeah. fact it is mm-hmm. our responsibility to not burn out that's exactly right we do have that responsibility to the world of taking some time out and if you feel like if you do take some time that uh that you're not working hard enough and then i'm selfish because i'm you know needing to actually go take a walk while people are busy uh i i want the these next four words for everyone 
all of these caregivers listening to these uh, to these tools here uh, in big bold letters. This is a myth. It's a myth by saying I'm not working hard enough because I need to take a time out. Yeah, this is essential to us, and we will continue to press this particular tool on caregivers. Take your time out and uh, for self care. Yeah, and I, and you know, although we never want to uh, make gender stereotypes, I think for me at least, until I worked actually with Indrani and Amy and and heard all of this. I think there's a big difference in how a lot of male minds work versus female minds when it comes to mm. self-care mm. because mm. it never would dawn on me until I worked with you um, that you wouldn't take time out. And mm. you know, I do. I, I, I make sure that I take care of myself. And I think a lot of men might be better at this or at least we don't understand on the other side. Like I would never think that Ashley was upset because she came home and made dinner and didn't feel she had time to take a break or to, to go mm. take care of herself. And I think, oh, wow. you know, when I think about that now, and now that I'm aware of that and how different, you know, maybe different people look at it. And so it's not even a gender thing. It's just, if you're having troubles with somebody at home with a boundary or at work with a boundary around self care, maybe keep in your mind that they might already be, good at that and they're not understanding why you're struggling yeah and that can really change the conversation when people are stressed out and you know it has in my relationship where i can realize okay you know it's not that we're super busy and ashley came home and made dinner it's that when she made dinner it was because she felt she couldn't take a break or, or, or go for a walk or do something else for herself that's what's upsetting her and on the other side, she didn't want to ask me to make dinner because she thought I was feeling the same way. Whereas I had earlier in the day taken a break after work and I would have been happy to make dinner. Mm, and so mm, a lot of these yeah, conflicts, I yeah. think, and way beyond just this, a lot of these conflicts between all people come, we have to remember that all of our realities are different and our experiences are different. And just like Amy said with the empathy, right, is we need to try and, and be in their shoes and try understand yeah. how they're seeing the world. Yeah, you know, and Jeremy, I know we have all talked about this, but one of the, and you know, we're, we're taking Brene's name again. One of the things that Brene reminds us to tell ourselves is, is this question, what story am I making up about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, I am such a good fiction writer <laughs> because I make up stories about people all the time. <laughs> we are pretty good writers in that way, aren't we, Indrani? We're really good writers, but we never give yeah. ourselves the credit because the stories are crap. Yeah. 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 What is the story I'm telling myself? That's a, a, another yeah. powerful kind What's of bonus. Story? So it's, it's not just... Um, like, what is your story? Ronnie, what's your story? It's, what story are you telling yourself now, girl? Like, oh, my God. Yep. I tell myself that you wore those polka dots just to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So there is a bonus tool. What story am I telling myself? And maybe we'll talk yeah. more about that in a later episode. 
Yeah, uh, great. Yeah. Okay, well, my last, my second tool um, is one that I learned uh, from some work I did with William Glasser's choice theory. And uh, this is another one of those ones that when I am good at using this tool, all of my relationships are improved. And when I forget to use this tool, it has a, an impact on my relationships. And he suggests that whenever you're interacting with another person, you know, after you've taken your breath, but before you respond or you take any action, ask mm -hmm. yourself, is what I am about to say or what I am about to do going to improve this relationship? Mm -hmm. And if what you're about yeah. to say or what you're about to do isn't going to do to improve that relationship, switch to saying or doing something that is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, it's, it's just so many times in my life when, and we'll use, you know, that reaction when I react to somebody and say something that ends up being hurtful or damaging that relationship, it, it, I can stop that if I take that second, breathe, and then say, okay, is what, you know, that, the, that story that I'm about to tell this person, what's going on, is that going to improve this relationship or is it going to hurt this relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it just makes a world oh, of difference. It's brilliant. Yeah. Such a simple thing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Am I improving this? Or, so in other words, am I a destroyer or am I a builder-upper? Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it works at home. It works at work. Uh, and um, I know that when, and I think, again, going back to the roles that we have, there are different places in my life where I'm really good at using this tool. And there are places where I'm not so good with it. And the places mm -hmm. where I am good at using this tool within those communities I am known as, you know, a super supportive and positive and helpful person, right? Mm. Because I'm taking that moment to yeah. only do things that build relationships. And in the areas mm. of my life where I'm not so good at it, maybe I'm not known quite as that way. Uh, and so I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's daily work. All of this is like, like Indrani says, it's like you have to take a shower every day. Right? Yeah. You have to yeah. do something. You have to use these tools every day, maybe baby steps to yeah. uh, keep us going and keep us learning. It's just a journey. I am certainly not perfect every day, that's for sure. <laughs> well, but we can certainly we want try. To be, right? I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if I know anybody who's perfect, so why do I hold that standard for myself? Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we have know the definition of boundary, what's okay and what's not okay, and what actions are you going to take when it's not okay. Understand where you're, when you are triggered and breathe. Using empathy in your conversations instead of trying to fix people. Taking time to be self-full instead of selfish. Taking five to 10 minutes of silence or meditation to prepare or re-energize yourself in between the different roles and interactions in your life. And then asking yourself, is what I am about to say or do 
going to improve this relationship before saying or doing anything. And then our bonus tool, asking yourself when you're upset with somebody or something is challenging is happening, what is the story that I'm telling myself? And those are the six and a bonus tools that we wanted to share with you in this very first episode of the Caring for the Caregiver podcast. You can be working on these tools all the time. Realize that they're not going to be something you use in all situations. This is an ongoing process. We're always improving, always working on getting better at these tools, but they aren't always going to work and we need to make sure that we don't beat ourselves up when they don't. So give all Mm -hmm. these tools a try uh, and we will see you in the next episode. And I just want to thank Indrani and Amy for joining us today and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Let us know how this worked for you. Yes. Feedback is great. Thank you, caregivers, for the work you do. And deepest gratitude for your work. Thank you for listening to the Caring for the Caregivers podcast. You can visit indranislight.org forward slash support and anonymously share your own questions or challenging situations to be answered on the show. You can also sign up for our free caregiver package resources at indranislight.org forward slash care package. If you have any questions, you can email our team at info at indranislight.org. We hope this podcast has been a source of support and comfort to the amazing work you do in the world. And remember, we see you.